Dr. Amanda. Welcome to the podcast. You are the money healer. Hi, friend. Tell us what a money healer does. Hey there. So happy to be here. Money healer. Okay. So I want everyone listening to think about the last time you thought about money. Mm. Probably many times today already. <laughs> when we went to get our coffee on the way to work, or we put gas in our car, or we looked at our checking account. We're like, I can't buy groceries. Yes. Exactly. Lots of thoughts already. Uh -huh. Yeah. Isn't that wild? You know, it's one of those things that I think we think about nonstop. It's in the back of our minds all the time and causes fear, doubt, uncertainty, excitement, elation, like every feeling under the sun is attached to money. And so I really love to help people heal their relationship to money, empower their relationship to money, feel good about money. And I, I got that name. I do money stories with my clients and I was doing this. It was really cool because I got to work with some siblings and mm -hmm. they had a business together and we had all did their money story in a group and then they shared it with their family. And, you know, they came back the week after this session, they said, oh my God, you're helping us heal our relationship to money. And they said, you're the money healer. And I'm like, I love that term. Thinking about money and health and money as a relationship. You know, we all are in relationship to money. And so that is what money healing is to have you feel really good about your relationship to money. Which is why I wanted to bring you on because with a podcast about relationships, they will inevitably encounter some kind of money situation in the relationship, not because we don't love each other, but because we have expectations. We have this family story. We have what's, what money represents to you, the symbol of it and what it we don't even know how to navigate those conversations sometimes, right? And so that's what mm -hmm. I love about this. I, I read a lot of your things and you talk about the zone of manifestation. So can we start talking about that? Like, what is that? How did you come up with the zone of manifestation? Yeah, you know, I love zone of genius work. And when I started I doing too. my own work, I paid a lot of attention to zone of genius work and values. And, you know, now I work with working genius and do all different kinds of things around zones. And then I help people walk through the four stages of business development. And I call them zones. And so I thought, you know, what's the zone we that we all want to get to in life? It's the zone of manifestation. And I think of the zone of manifestation as a place where Really everything in your life is thriving because you are set up for being personally empowered and you feel this sense of inner power where you wake up in the morning, you choose the things that you love to do and you attract easy money your way. Your relationships are thriving. You feel confident in yourself. And so it's almost like you feel as if you have this magic wand to create whatever it is that you choose to create. And that's the zone I would say we all want to get to, right? Where we go, hey, I want this thing. I consciously say I want it. And then I start taking action toward it. And then the universe brings me the way to have it. You so know? we want all the details. You have us hanging on the edge of our seats, right? Okay. Yes, I want great relationships. I want to attract the things that make me feel important, powerful, connected, sense of purpose you said that there's four steps to that. So can you walk us through that? Cause you got us, we're here. Yeah. We're, we're taking the clickbait. What, what, what are they love? How do we start? Yeah. Well, let's say, I'll say I, those are the four stages of business development, but I okay. will say, you know, I like that you're saying this cause let's play with it on the fly because I would say I have a three-step manifestation process, which is different what we'll talk about now, but we can talk about both. Let's play with this. So in the four stages of business development to get into your zone of manifestation, it'd be really similar in life. The first stage is called manic imposter zone. Okay. If we apply this to relationships, let's say when you first meet someone, you feel like elated and infatuated and all 
fingertip energy, all the hormones, all the feels. Yes. Yep. And you know, the love cocktail where you're kind of blinded about the downsides of the situation potentially, mm -hmm. <laughs> and you don't really know what you're doing necessarily in relationships at first. Then you move into the undervalue and overdeliver. So in business, people tend to undercharge and overdeliver. So they give away too much for free and they don't value themselves enough. Mm -hmm. In a relationship context, this is interesting to think about because it's almost like how when you get into a relationship, you do everything the other person wants to do. Yeah. And, and it takes a little chameleon of them so that you can fit into their world and make yourself indispensable. Yes, exactly. Yes. Yeah. And then that starts to grow some resentment <laughs> mm -hmm. and you go like, Hey, wait, there's me here too. And then you start to balance out. So stage three would then be value yourself more. So you start to step back into your own sense of self, your sense of identity, sense of awareness. And then you get to the zone of manifestation where you're both coming together, fully empowered and knowing what you want, co-creating an interdependent relationship. And then you get into that zone of manifestation. I think one of the coolest things about relationships is that you can create so much more with two people who are confident and have a really full sense of inner power. Those two people provide this really incredible magnetism and anything that's magnetic is going to automatically attract money because you're in a state of joy and playfulness. And those are the things that attract money. And so when two empowered people come together in a relationship, your relationship with money can be more empowered. Now, of course, all of this takes conversations around money. So if we're talking about money magnetism. We want to think about our vibrational frequency that we put out into the universe. And if we have a lot of fear and doubt and uncertainty about money, you're going to be sending a signal that says, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm afraid. And you actually attract that back to you, even if it's not what you consciously want. You just said something that I'm still stuck a couple of sentences ago, because I don't think many of us think about play and money. I was like, well, back up, Amanda. I don't I don't I don't play with money. <laughs> I like try to make money. So talk about that, because I like that idea. I like that that concept of like we can make money fun and playful. And then by us enjoying it and being in a vibe around it will attract more of it to us. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, it's interesting because most people, I think just like you're saying, when they think about money, they feel a heavy. lot of things about it. Uh, yeah. Usually stress heavy. Yeah. It's almost this dread place. I always teach that we have three main money blocks and I, I, you know, doing money stories with a lot of different types of people all over the world. I have seen patterns and the three patterns are money is bad. Money is scarce and money causes stress. So a money is bad person has this belief that, you know, money is the root of all evil. It's not spiritual to make money, you know, you know, th it's those cons or it's like, yeah, you're being exactly. gluttonous. like you shouldn't be playful about it. Uh, it's, it's not okay to like money. It, okay. it feels bad to like money. Then in the money is scarce. This is where you grow up and you think money is scarce. Uh, you know, there's a scarcity mindset around it. You can't have both money and great relationships, or you can't, uh, you can't focus on money and be a good person. Or if you focus on money too much, you might lose your family or, or you don't have enough time for your family. Money causes stress is this concept where you want to avoid or push it away unconsciously because you've seen it cause a lot of stress in people's lives. Parents, you know, your parents might have fought about money or you might have seen that they made a lot of money, but they worked a lot and they felt stressed around money. And so you start to have these 
uh, I call them unconscious beliefs. Well, they're called unconscious beliefs, but we get programmed in our subconscious mind to believe what we do about money most powerfully from the ages of zero to seven. And mm. so we start to play that out in our reality and then keep attracting it your way. And it's very rare, tying back to the playful question, we very rarely see people being playful with money or feeling good energy around money. Instead, we see money as a version of stress uncertainty. It's bad. It causes greed, lust, you know, all these bad feelings. And so when we start to shift our awareness to, Hey, let's have fun with money. Everything in your reality can change with it. Wow. So what, what would you suggest then that if, if you had, I know that you mostly work with individuals, but I like that we're kind of bringing this to the couples conversation. What do you see as could be some of the pitfalls or issues for a couple where one or both of you have different mental blocks around it, or one of you has the fun one. And one of you is like, what do you mean? Money is scary. I have guilt because I don't have any, or we shouldn't spend it because that means we're bad people. How do you see that impacting clients or relationships? A lot. <laughs> and it's interesting. I actually have worked with a lot of entrepreneurial couples mm. and it's amazing to go through money stories with people. I think every single couple should go through writing their money story and talk about these things because your greatest potential to make the most money in the easiest ways possible is when you're both in the same quest. You know, if you're fighting against each other unconsciously about it, or even sometimes consciously, right? We know that money is one of the biggest stressors in relationships. It's going to be hard. And so almost it's very rare that two people coming together in a relationship are going to have the same history with money. Right. And so usually it is those battling wills. And I like that you use the example of like one person might feel playful around it. Sometimes people seem playful around it, but really it's an avoidance strategy and ah. they just don't want to look at it. Right. And ah. so they're like easy, come easy, go type of mentality. I'll and just then make more. Yeah. We should buy it. We should go on that vacation. Yes. And that can be a very abundant mindset, or it actually can be an unconscious avoidance of looking at it and being irresponsible with money. Mm. And if you think about money, like a relationship, you want to appreciate it, right? Because what you appreciate appreciates. It's not about avoidance or pretending it doesn't exist. Imagine that you've, you had a friend or a lover who were like, Oh, I don't want to really pay attention to you only once a month when I have to, when I have to do a negative thing, like pay bills with you <laughs> or address bad behavior. Yes. Yeah, exactly. So instead it's like this daily relationship that feels good. And so you always want to look at your intention and your feelings behind money. And in a couple, you want to talk about it. And most people don't. It's, it's It can be a very scary conversation that brings up a lot and people don't necessarily know how to have the conversation. And so it's fun, you know, let's say for the couples listening or people who are in relationships, just to ask your partner, like, you know, if you finished the sentence that said wealthy people are blank, what would the finishing of the sentence be? Or another really fun one is to say, if, if you could say your family's money mantra in one sentence or less, what would it be? So like, if there's this overriding theme when you were a kid growing up in your household, what would that mantra be? When I ask this in groups, it's usually money is hard to make. Money doesn't grow on trees. Work hard to make money. You can't do what you love and make money. Uh, you know, money is the root of all evil is a big one. Um, so these themes come up and I'd say, you know, in an audience of a hundred people, it might be a couple that have really good, playful feelings around money where they're like, oh, my parents actually taught me really empowered financial beliefs. Most people have those where it's like there wasn't enough money or there was a lot of money. It was stressful. People, the you know, parents teach us how to save our money. I was just at, um, 
a graduation for my my son who grad my stepson who went from fifth to sixth grade. And it was really funny because they were giving the speech and I was sitting there thinking, you know, they were talking about being a kind kid. And I'm like, that's a great lesson. And, you know, what if we got up there and we said, do what you love, make money in the world, doing what you love, you know, from this day forward, decide how to live in your zone of genius and figure out ways to create passive streams of income, doing what you love. <laughs> you know, like we don't teach our kids those lessons. We don't even, we, we don't, we usually say work hard, get good grades, go to school. Someday you'll be able to retire after you live a life that you don't really want to live. You got me percolating when you were talking about those, like the, the mad libs, the fill in the blanks. I like that to like, for a couple to start with what are their individual stories about what it represents. And then as a couple, now that we're in the family that we created versus our family of origin, what is our statement going to be about what money is in our family, like our relationship yeah. now, right? Because that sort of feeds into that, what's your story? You help them heal that narrative. And then how do we co-create a new story about money moving forward as a couple? I love that idea. I think that that would be incredibly helpful to not get into the guilt and shame or like overemphasize the differences that couples have in their individual story. But like, so what's it going to be now? And how do we manifest that together as a couple so that we can get to that shared goal? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I don't know if I can do it. Can I do a plug for my book? Because this will be great. Absolutely. So, so I have a book. I'm a money magnet. Um, I'm a money magnet. And in here there are over a hundred journaling questions. So the reason I say this is because I've had couples reach out to me and say they're reading it together as couples and a lot of book clubs reading it and things like that. And so in it, there are 30 days of you going through lessons and asking questions to help you bring to your conscious awareness, your unconscious money blocks or your money beliefs. Uh -huh. And so I, I, to me, these are the things that we don't teach couples to do together. It's just, it's like, we're awash in money and we deal with it every day and we don't stop to ever think, what do I believe and feel about money? And so it's, I think it's some of the most empowering and connective couples work that you can do. I love that you're doing that. And I, 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 when reading through some of the things that you do, you also kind of talk about how we're in some ways creating new neuro pathways, right? That this is a science, this is changing our brain. Talk a little bit about that. Cause I think that gives even more legitimacy to maybe some of those that are like, that's very woo woo. Like, like talk about <laughs> that because it isn't woo woo. There's, there's stuff to support it as science. Yeah. Yes. And in the book, I go through that all in the beginning of the book, talking about the neuroscience of really of manifestation, quantum physics, neural pathways, and how we track our surroundings for what we believe to be true. And then how you can re recondition your subconscious mind. So in subconscious programming, like I was saying, when you're ages zero to seven, your brain is most susceptible to what you're learning around you. And so it's what you see going on. It's what you hear going on, what you're told. So this is going to be from parents and teachers and preachers and TV and everything that's going on, you're just absorbing. You have no filtration system to go, is that true? Do I choose to believe it or right. is it not? You're just soaking it in and absorbing, absorbing it. And so it comes up in your subconscious mind for the rest of your life. 
our subconscious mind is awesome because it runs 95% of us. If we had to get up every day and relearn how to drive, life would be really hard, right? (laughs) The negative thing is that when our subconscious mind is storing things that aren't helping us move forward, it's still being stored there. And only five of us is conscious, 5% of us. So you've got 5% of you that wants something and 95% of you that is either supporting that or fighting against it. And I call this competing commitments. So when you want something to be manifested in your life, when you want to achieve a goal, that's really all manifestation means you get outer world results, it's manifestation, you've got to reprogram your subconscious mind, which is brain work. And the only way to reprogram your subconscious mind is either through hypnosis or repetition. And hypnosis is like when you're zero to seven, you're in a hypnotic state. That's why you're so susceptible to it. You can also meditate to get into that state really easy way to do it is repetition. And so repetition is going to be you reprogramming your neural neural wiring. I like to think of it as like a sled hill. So, you know, when you're going down a sled hill, you go the first time and you don't go that fast because the pathway isn't tamped down. right? Right. And then you go again and again and again, and it creates a, you know, just a shoot sled down to the bottom. Your brain is exactly the same way. It goes to the pathways of least resistance. So whatever you believe to be true, you keep rebelieving and reconfirming, and it creates deeper neural pathways. So now in order for you to change that, you've got to consciously reprogram through repetition to recreate a new neural pathway with the new belief. And so I like to help people with a, it's just a three-step formula I created called the NFA money formula. So it's one, recognize, two, reframe, three repeat to reprogram. Simplest thing. Now what's hard about this is most people are completely unconscious of what's holding them back. Right. Right. And so that's where all the work that I do with people is asking questions to to start to bring to their conscious awareness, what their belief system is. Well, it sounds like it also gives them motivation because like you're mentioning, if I'm going to have to keep creating a new groove, right. And I'm going to have to like notice when I've gotten off course and bring my sled back on course that I have to have a motivation to do it because I get lazy. It's familiar. It doesn't mean it's comfortable. It just means it's, it's well-tread. Right. And so I love this idea then that, that these stories are this, like looking at the way I've been treating myself or the way that my thinking has been hurting me in my relationship with money and possibly with other people, because I view them as something that I should protect myself against if they have differing opinions, right? That I now have a motivation to want to stick and do something that might seem hard. Yes. I love that. So true. And it, it's a, it, what you're saying is about the why you've got to have the reason to do it. Yeah. The sled hill is fun. Cause you go, Oh, it's fun to sled down. So you have the reason to That's do fast. it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so it, into a tree. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and so, I mean, I know for your listeners, they're interested in relationship development. And so it's really powerful to plant that seed of the why to go like, Oh, I get to create a more co-created, connected, interdependent relationship when we're on the same page with money, especially if wealth building is a goal that you have as a couple. And how great would it be to have your partner be able to support you in repairing some of those old stories and those old emotions that come up for you and having a safe space where you can be like, hey, I I just went into my store. I went to the grocery store and I wanted to get us those steaks for a barbecue. And I got into my story and I'm like, we got to do chicken. Right. And that my partner is like, no, we could have fun. It's a barbecue. Like, how about we like both go get the steaks together? Like, I could just see these like great things happening because now your partner's understanding your language of what's happening for you around money. And it's not that they're giving you 
permission because we don't need a permission to do anything, but they're supporting you and like challenging those thoughts and like even then participating with you and changing the neuro pathways. Yeah. Yes. I, I love like that. it. So I'm feeling true. jazzed. Yeah. I love it. So <laughs> And then, so if we have this manifestation as individuals, but we bring it together as a couple, you sort of alluded to earlier that like it doubles the fun or like it doubles down. Yeah. On it. So talk more about that. Cause I like that idea. Yeah. You know, I always think about the magnetic effect of things. So it's like, I, I, I love to think about the magnetic effect of gratitude. The magnetic effect of love is even more powerful. So, you know, there's a scale of consciousness where we can measure vibrational frequencies based on how you're feeling and grief and uh, grief, sorry, guilt and shame are at the very bottom. So guilt and shame, fear is very low vibrational frequency. We start to move up the scale. Love is one of the highest frequencies. And when you're at a high vibrational frequency, you are attracting good things to you. So whatever frequency you're at, you automatically attract to you similar resonances. And so when you're in a state of love together as a couple, you're at a really high vibrational frequency, which means whatever you focus on will expand. So if you're focused on wealth building as a couple in love, you attract more money to you more easily. How would you recommend that if one partner is like listening to this and they're like, let's do this thing, how would they approach their partner in a way that didn't feel like they're asking them to like take on some big burden or some emotional heaviness or like, how, how could they communicate that like, I listened to Dr. Amanda, we need to do this thing. That's, that's, that's a great question. <laughs> you know, I would say it's interesting. This word keeps coming up because it's been a theme for me this week is playfulness. And, it, you know, like I always think about money and playfulness and relationships and playfulness. So it's like, I, I think you got to know your partner well enough to know their values and what is going to help them buy into something that you're interested in. I think a lot of times relationship work tends to be on one partner and it's often gendered more toward women. Um, like the woman is more interested in relationship growth and personal growth and then pulls their, their if it's in a same, uh, opposite sex partnership, right. right? It's like they pull that partner along. And so, you know, in that case, it's like, what, how can you link the values and go, Hey, if you hang out with me and we build our relationship, it's going to help in this area that you're interested in. And so it's called values linking. And so, you know, you want to think about it from that perspective and go, let's read this and then I'll go hang out with you at whatever thing you're interested in. So it's like this win-win exchange and create a sense of playfulness around it instead of obligatory, you know, another thing on the checklist that needs to be done. Like, how can you make it fun and playful? And in my mind, that's, that's a really powerful couple who wants to do those things together. Uh, you know, so it's like, how can you elicit that in the playfulness of your relationship? So we want to achieve and grow together. And I, I luckily found this way for us to come together and to do it. Yeah. Yeah. And you, you talk on your, your website and you have like a great social media. So if anybody's not watched your stuff, you're like very engaging. And so they should, we'll totally put the links, but you also talk about how meditation can be involved in this process. So where do you see that coming into play? Yeah, I use meditation a lot. Um, I it, it the way that I like for people to play with meditation if they aren't meditators is just to start with breathing. Like simple breath work is fine to start with, and then of course you can work your way up to however long you want to meditate. The reason meditation is so powerful is because it's a a reprogramming process. So you actually reprogram your subconscious mind when you're meditating, and most of us 
you know, like I was saying, we tend to be in a lower vibrational frequency. And so I like to think of meditation as connection with yourself, connection with really collective consciousness and getting present in the moment and releasing anything that's toxic or negative in your body, just even for a few minutes. And so I usually work with people on two minute meditations to start with, like really short, just get into the habit of it. And, the, and just with the intention of connecting with yourself, even to start, you know, just go like, I'm going to do some breath work. I'm going to reconnect with myself. I'm going to get present in the moment and then I'll move on with my day. And then you'd start to train yourself in that direction. And it creates a completely different sense of instead of reacting to the world around you, you start responding because you can check in with yourself and slow things down. And I mean, for me, it's been one of the greatest tools I've ever used. Uh, I actually was with a relationship therapist um, once, you know, because I used to have like a real strong flight response when Mm. I'd get upset. And she's like, just go get a glass of water when you're upset and just say, I'll be back in two minutes, put a time and get a glass of water. And it blew my mind because it'd be like, okay, in those two minutes, I can slow my brain down enough to be like, okay, wait, what do I want here? What's the ultimate goal? Instead of just that flight response and meditation is the same thing. And it applies to any area of your life. You know, it's just going like, we're, we're in a pretty constant state of stress these days. And so it's just slowing down enough to reconnect with yourself and just start repatterning your system toward more ease and joy and flow and fun. Or even I would think before you start to have these conversations with your partner about Mm. your values and beliefs about finances, meditation would be a great way to sort of center yourself so that as you're asking for your needs or talking about what it is that is important to you, that if your partner has an opposing one, maybe you'll take it less personally because you've grounded yourself in like what's your truth and your value and like slowed that whole catastrophizing down. I'm so glad you said that. Yes. And I would say when you're in the middle of these money conversations, if, if you start to notice yourself getting charged up, you could have like a, you know, I, sometimes I just like the simplest, like timeout, like timeout and do your two minute breathing and just get regrounded because, you know, money brings up a lot of feelings and thoughts. And And like (laughs) you said, tell them when you're going to come back. Right. Because then if we don't do that piece where it's like, Hey, I can't be present with you right now about it. I've gone in my head. I went in my money story. I need to like go walk around the block for two minutes and deep breathe. I will come back. I'm not abandoning this topic. It's not for you to figure out by yourself without me. I just need this moment so that I can come be present and do this work with you. Yes. I love it. Okay. Well, this was, I could talk to you all day. I, I love this idea. I love this topic. You're inspiring like a lot of good things that I'm thinking about just for working with couples. So I really, I love that you were on this. So talk a little bit about your books. I want to talk about your book again, because I think it's very cool. Tell, tell us where we can find it, who should be coming to read it. Awesome. Yes. So um, all things, I'd say the best place to go is nfamoney.com. So nfamoney.com, you can find all the goods there. The book is iamamoneymagnetbook.com. And if they go there, they can get two free chapters and test out if it's a good book for them. Um, It comes with 30 affirm mantras. So it's 30 daily lessons. So it's really designed to be a 30 day course. And it, it, once you purchase the book, it has a video course that goes along with it. And so it's all about you getting conscious of your unconscious money blocks, understanding what your beliefs are about money so that you can transform them and choose, you know, it's fun because the subtitle is the top 30 money-making affirm mantras to manifest more. And so it's, you know, 
it's it's been interesting to talk to people about it because they're like it's so much more than the title it's it's really about personal transformation on a very deep level and so you know I I guess I'm pretty serious I'm really playful but I'm also very serious about the work I do in the world (laughs) and so it's like the the tools I bring to the table really help you transform your relationship to money from the inside out I love that you're so approachable about money that you seem emotionally safe to talk about something that's a big topic and that you're going to like infuse an element of fun in something that most of us dread, I think is like a really nice gift that you give to the people that you work with. So I really appreciate getting the chance to chat with you about it more. And I'm, I'm thrilled with the work that you're doing and please keep it up. Thank you. That's that. Thank you. And you're welcome. I love doing this. So it's, it's a joy to be on the show and share any way I can to help people feel better. I think that, that, EQ, the FQ part, right? Like high EQ, high FQ, like let's have financial intelligence and bring it into our relationship. So thank you so much for having me on. You're welcome. Thanks, Amanda. Thanks for tuning into the D spot. Find me, Dr. Dana McNeil and my guests on social media using the links down below. Subscribe for new episodes weekly and leave a comment letting us know how and if you can relate or what topics you'd like us to cover next. See you next time. And don't forget, going to therapy is cool. 